Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome back to the ninth ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what's happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. And today I will start with my highlight, which is a continuation of my coverage from last week of the USA-Spain soccer-friendly as Spain looked every bit the World Cup champion they are by shutting out the Americans 4 to nothing last Saturday at Gillette Stadium here in Foxborough, Mass., about 20 minutes from where I live. And uh, more than 60,000 soccer fans packed the stadium last Saturday evening, which set a record for the most fans ever to attend a soccer match in New England. And uh, I'd say everybody got their money's worth. Uh, Not surprisingly, the event was absolutely electric, with uh, tens of thousands of people wearing Spain and Barcelona jerseys, not to mention U.S. jerseys, of course. And they created an atmosphere like you read about. Uh, It was just like an international festival that, uh, you know, really felt like a World Cup Cup match. And uh, I warmed up for the event by covering a uh, Team USA news conference, as well as both teams' practices in the days before the match last Thursday and Friday. And USA soccer coach Bob Bradley knew what his team was in for when he was facing Spain as he articulates here in the soundbite. Uh, you know, the opportunity to play the, the world champions is special to all of us. Uh, when you think about what Spain has accomplished uh, in recent years, their success, the way they play, uh, the number of great players, uh, it's a great test for us. Obviously, the last time we played was a special night for us, uh, a game that, that we're all very proud of, uh, a game 
where you know in a semifinal with something on the line, um, we played very well and, and beat a great team, and uh, and yet you know we we left the field that night with with total respect for Spain, the way they played, the way they were after the game, and I think we continue to to see. What they're all about every time they step on the field, so it's another great opportunity in that regard. And Coach Bradley was, of course, referring to uh, when the USA shocked Spain in South Africa prior to the World Cup uh, last year, and uh, really was probably the most significant victory in the history of United States soccer at the time. Uh, but while, but his players were also preparing for the important uh, Gold Cup opener uh, on Tuesday, in which they this past Tuesday, three days ago, in which they beat Canada two to nothing. Star player Clint Dempsey, who scored a goal against Canada, discussed preparing for Spain with the Gold Cup looming. So let's take a listen to his thoughts the day before the Spain match last Friday. But it's still exciting to play against a, a great team. Uh, and, you know, some of the best players in the world on it. You look, still look forward to that. Um, in the sense of the importance of the game, I think the more experience you get, you start to realize that, you know, the main challenge for us is the Gold Cup and how we do in that. And that's where our mind is, is consistently been. You know, we want to work on things and, and make sure that we can take positives from the Spain game. But, like it's titled, it is just a friendly, but, you know, you still get excited about these type of games. And fellow U.S. headliner Landon Donovan, a uh, household name in, in the world of U.S. soccer, uh, who was feeling a bit under the weather last weekend, uh, although he did manage to practice, uh, also had some statements on the Gold Cup, as he describes here. I think the Gold Cup's gotten better and better as teams in Hong Kong have gotten better. So the quality of the tournament. Yeah, and there's teams, you know, in the past you wouldn't say a team like Honduras or Costa Rica or Panama could legitimately win the World Cup, but now you say they can't, but even Canada gets on a good roll, they're a team that's good enough to win. Um, the other part of it is that qualifying comes next year, and you're going to play a lot of these teams again, so there's a mental psychological aspect that you want to make sure they know, especially in the U.S., that they can't beat us, and you can keep that in the back of your mind. How challenging is playing for? So that was Landon Donovan, uh, one of the headliners of the U.S. soccer team, and he was very impressive, as was the entire team, as well as Coach Bradley. Uh, and Landon, he was particularly impressive in that he, uh, he spoke Spanish uh, to the massive amount of international media that were there, obviously covering Spain as well. And that was one of the things that made the, uh, the whole three days just so exciting, was just the whole international aspect of it with... Uh, you know, not only the, the Spanish team, again, current reigning World Cup champions, who's one of their players is dating Shakira. So there's a real rock star sort of element to the whole uh, to the whole weekend. And then, uh, you know, just watching these guys practice, both teams was nothing short of amazing. Sometimes just to see things in practice that you don't see in a game. And I can particularly say I saw moves on the soccer field I've never seen. Uh, when these guys were practicing, and all in all, it was really just a, a spectacular three days of soccer, uh, especially in light of, you know, uh, 
for the U.S. team preparing for, you know, the very, very important Gold Cup. And they will continue their quest tomorrow uh, with Game 2 in the Gold Cup following their victory over Canada on Tuesday. Uh, game 2 tomorrow will be uh, in Tampa versus Panama. And sticking with soccer in the Gold Cup, uh, I want to touch on this week's low light, uh, which is that five Mexico players are being suspended for a banned substance following their 5-0 victory over El Salvador this week. Uh, not what anybody in Mexico wants to hear. I have been to Mexico. I have seen the soccer passion down there up close and personal, and it is uh, something to behold, to put it mildly. So I guess the drug problem in Mexico is worse than we even realized. And then lastly... Uh, for my bizarre sports story of the week, it has to be the continuing saga of former Ohio State quarterback Terrell Pryor. It feels kind of weird to say that word, former. Well, quite a week for Terrell. First, he leaves the team and fittingly drives off the Buckeye campus in a luxury vehicle, which is uh, at the top of the various infractions and charges which are being leveled against him, uh, that being that he was given cars during his tenure at Ohio State. So after he drives off uh, the OSU campus, he then uh, is immediately drafted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League, which you would think would make him happy to have a potential landing spot after leaving in disgrace, but no. He comes out yesterday and says he's not interested in playing in the Canadian Football League. And I just find that, uh, you know, to be a further reflection of really how low this guy has gone. Um, you know, as a native central Pennsylvanian who grew up selling soda at Penn State's Beaver Stadium, thank God he did not become a Nittany Lion after his legendary high school career. Uh, in both football and basketball in Jeanette, Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh, about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And uh, while there, he broke and probably still holds just about every state record in both football and basketball. You could make a case that uh, he, he could have easily gone D1 basketball and as a potential, uh, you know, has potential NBA talent. So who knows? Maybe that's where he'll end up uh, in the NBA because. Everything I'm reading about Terrell and hearing about Terrell uh, from the QB experts totally indicates that he will not, uh, you know, he is not in any way, shape, or form a prototype NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, it does, doesn't surprise me to hear that. Um, his career at best at Ohio State would have to be termed as underwhelming. Um, you know, I remember well his greatest moment, which was a gigantic third down pass two years ago against Penn State uh, at a critical juncture in the game in the fourth quarter. And he completed it. They sealed the victory. They went on to the Rose Bowl. He had a great game. He was the MVP. And I remember thinking, you know, when he completed that pass, uh, you know, that this is it. This is his turning point moment in his career when he will become, uh, you know, the player that everybody thought he was going to be. And obviously it just didn't happen. And, 
you know, kind of a shame. It really is. Uh, again, you know, there, there is a part of me that, uh, you know, rooted for him as, as, you know, coming out of the cradle of quarterbacks. But yet, uh, you know, he just has gone straight downhill since leaving Jeanette. And, you know, when he was being recruited, uh, you know, I followed that closely. Joe Paterno went to his house, which I believe is about the only recruit that Joe has visited in maybe the past decade personally. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I just have to think that, you, you know, Terrell became the person he is today back when he was at Jeanette, when he was, again, just probably being offered the sun, the sky, and the moon to come to whatever school. And uh, clearly, Ohio State made him the best offer in more ways than one. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't know. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think there's any locks that he's going to be, you know, drafted uh, by the NFL, be it supplemental or regular. And he's already apparently spurned the CFL. I think it's a decision he may regret. A lot of good players have come through there. From Warren Moon to Doug Flutie, got their careers going, rolling up there, and uh, went on to great NFL careers. So we shall see what happens, but uh, it's been, again, quite the fall from grace for Terrell Pryor, and that's putting it mildly. And now is my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from Outside the Huddle, who, by the way, had me as a guest on his 100th ever show the other night. As Lemont likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And joining us in the next segment will be Jim and Mara Sweeney, who both walked away from a $50 million business they started to create what they believe will be the sports world's first ever animated brand, sports cartoon character simply known as Mike. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. 
Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we have guests join us, and today I would like to welcome Jim and Mara Sweeney, who walked away from a $50 million business they created to start what they believe will be the world's first ever animated brand, the sports cartoon character simply known as Mike. Jim and Mara, thanks for joining us today, and uh, I have become a big fan of Mike, so please feel free to tell our listeners all about it. Well, first of all, thanks for having us on the show. We're excited to be a part of it, and we're beyond excited about the development, the creation, the maturity of what we believe will be the first ever animated brand in the sports field. Uh, yeah, we did walk away from a very successful business here in Florida. Some people think we're absolutely nuts. Other people think we're pretty doggone smart, you know, once they find out what we've created. So it's a, a journey that we did not expect originally that it would have taken us this long to get we, where we want to go. But, hey, we've learned so much along the way. The character has been refined. Uh, he's been uh, polished. You know, he's been radically improved, and we have a number of different avenues with which we fully expect to be able to monetize the brand once our first big domino falls. Well, that sounds terrific. Now, how did the idea initially uh, begin? Where did it germinate from? John, I could probably answer that because I was the wife listening to Jimmy every single morning as he'd open up the paper with his coffee, you know, in the morning. And he'd bang his fist on uh, the countertop and he'd say, wow, how come nobody out there asks these sports people the questions I want to ask? And then after a while he said, well, what am I doing, complaining? I'm not doing anything about it. And I would say the idea for Mike living as Jimmy's alter ego has always been present. It was just a matter of time before he came to the forefront. So I guess you could say Mike is 53 years old because that's my age. But okay. we live rent-free in my brain. And... Sure, we want to uh, you know, get Mike out there to entertain sports fans of all ages, but you know, there's an underlying uh, goal that we do have that resonates in everything we do with the character, and that's to have Mike become a recognized voice in our culture. Uh, and I think one of the ways in which we can get Mike very quickly accepted is through the use of humor. Uh, the one thing you know, that I don't necessarily like when I... Uh, you know, some media outlets, you know, jump all over. They excoriate people, but they really don't give them an opportunity to tell their side of the story. 
and I want to be able to identify all the elephants in the room, whether it's on the sports field or in the arena or in the rink or on the pitch or wherever, but be able to do it with a little bit of grace uh, while doing it with humor so that you know, people can totally understand that, hey, maybe the person's behavior uh, is wrong that needs to be corrected, and I think a lot more people are going to listen you know, when it's done uh, in an entertaining, comedic type of way. Well said, Jim, and uh, you know, I can relate to pounding on the table over my coffee at 6 a.m. Uh, I did it many times as well, and I was a newspaper sports reporter for nine years, so I did get to ask some of the questions, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing a radio show today, is I find that it's even better when you can ask the questions to the subjects directly, like yourself and Mara, and uh, you know, it's... It's interesting. We talk. I, I began my show today talking about some soccer, and uh, you know, I heard, listened to some of Mike's humorous comments regarding the world of soccer, and then I read your uh, blog on uh, the Barcelona Manchester United match of a couple weeks ago. That uh, so, in addition to the character Mike, you also do a fair amount of writing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah, we do. As a matter of fact, uh, we write something just about every day. Um, you know, the Mike character, we see it manifested in the media in a number of different ways. You know, first and foremost, Mike will one day, hopefully within the next year, be an on-air TV talent. Even though he's animated, you know, he will interact with real-life sports celebrities on a major network. So we write all of the scripts for any of the animated shorts that we're putting together. We also do uh, radio monologues. We've got dozens of them that we've scripted. We work with music guys down here in Florida. And, you know, we write all the scripts for the radio monologues, some of which will eventually be like Paul Harvey, you know, one-minute uh, rants or shorts on something topical that's happening in the news. Now you know uh, the rest of the story. We also write a satirical blog through the voice of the character, and we just... Uh, we're picked up as a sports expert. Even though Mike is a cartoon character, the ghost-written blogs that we write through the voice of Mike show up on a site called TXN Sports. It's a new uh, website that Mike is a member of that also uh, includes you know, Chris Collinsworth, Phil Simms, Boomer Esiason, uh, Howie Long, Cal Ripken Jr., and Nick Faldo. So we're one of seven sports experts that... Uh, you know, report on what's going on in the sports world on a daily basis. So we do all the writing for that. In addition, another manifestation of the property is going to be in sports books for kids. You know, our sweet spot with our demo with uh, Mike is 18 to 35-year-olds, but Moore and I have established like a core set of values where Mike has a moral base. He'll never use profanity, never step over the line, you know, to say anything sexually degrading. So we feel that we've expanded our demo that could include and should include kids. So we have this series called Mike Reporting on the Making of a Champion. We've already penned our first two e-books. We have three more that we expect to have out by the end of the year. And we're in the process now of collecting, which has really surprised us in a great way, celebrity endorsements because, you know, people love the voice of the character. They love seeing you know, the uh, comics that an Emmy Award-winning artist has added to our books, 
and they love the stories that Mike tells in the books. So great reading for parents to sit down with kids. We have a couple books that are available you know, through the Kindle platform on Amazon, and we won't go to hard copy books probably until another six to nine months. So, yes, we do a lot of writing. I guess so, and as a fellow writer, I can certainly understand that. And, uh, and as Paul Harvey used to say, now we know the rest of the story. Well, but, yes, uh, we do, but the story is still going to be told, and it's going to go on and on because we feel like it's limitless, you know, the number of opportunities that exist for the Mike character. Oh, and, I, and I agree, yes. It's definitely uh, the sports world headed for all types of new and interesting ways to tell the stories. And the stories are, as I find out every week on this show, uh, you know, too countless to even begin to cover. It's just, uh, that's the great thing about the world of sports is, you know, there's just, uh, every week when I do this show, it's trying to fit, you know, 100 pounds of clothes into a 20-pound washer because there's so much to choose from, and, uh, and you're in the same boat. And now, how... How often do you actually, you know, come up with, be it new mic blogs or new mic uh, audio, that type of thing? Uh, what's the frequency? Easily several times a week, John, but I will tell you this. We are mic central here at home, and we do this seven days a week. We're constantly talking about Mike, thinking about Mike, what, what Mike would want to say or comment on. And uh, I would say probably three times a week we are putting out something new in the way of a blog concerning Mike and his opinion of what's going on in the sports world slash entertainment world. Yeah, John, we're really fortunate in that, you know, my wife and I, we've been married. It's going to be 30 years next month. Uh, we, well, we work pretty well together. You know, we like to say we get along great, except what we don't. But, hey, <laughs> We, uh, we work well together. We both love to write. We have a passion for words. We have a passion for storytelling. But we're also very fortunate in that we have a team that also assists us in bringing other aspects and components of the Mike property to market. Uh, we've paid very handsomely for a great, 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 great multiple Emmy award-winning animator. Uh, you know, who has done all of our Mike animation to date, who's done a lot of work for professional sports franchises. Uh, he's a local guy here in the Tampa Bay area. We have uh, two of my friends uh, that have been in the music business uh, for the last 25 years. They do all of our voiceovers, uh, all of the sound effects, and we record in their studio. And we also have a uh, boutique sports agency out of the New York metro area, uh, called 16W Marketing, and they represent four of the top ten sportscasters on TV today. So we consider ourselves very fortunate to have assembled, you know, such a team. And people, which is great, they're starting to find us. It's like multiple times a day we get calls from people expressing interest in the property, finding out how we could potentially work together. Our first big domino with a national deal hasn't fallen yet, However, we're right at the cusp. Well, it's clearly just a matter of time because, uh, again, I can personally testify as to the uh, information you're putting out. It's funny, it's relevant, it's timely, and, uh, you know, I think it'd be good reading for all of our listeners. And, and with that said, what is your website where listeners to the show today could, uh, could find Mike? 
Uh, thanks for asking. They can go to themike.com. That's T-H-E-E-M-I-K-E.com. Themike, that's T-H-E-E-Mike.com. And Mike spells his name M-I-K-E, even though he's a microphone. And Mike is short for Michael Anthony Raffone. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And we've got him trademarked. You know, it's amazing. As a, as a kid, like most kids that are silly and immature at times, I would always do play on words of people's names. And I can't believe that no one had ever trademarked the name Mike Raffone or Mike shaped like an actual sportscaster's microphone until we came along. And, you know, another component of our team is we've got, you know, a great uh, intellectual property uh, person with a, a terrific background that helped, uh, has helped us copyright where necessary and trademark where essential. Well, that is fascinating, and I got the feeling that Mike is going to become more of a household name than it already is, but for entirely different reasons, thanks to the two of you. And uh, well, Jim and Mara, we're bumping up against our break, and uh, I want to thank you both for coming on. And next up, Barry Rubenstein and Paul Stewart. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Super Bowl champ Lionel Dalton is taking to the internet airwaves with his own brand of sports talk. You'll go inside the mind of the players and find out if blacklisting really happens, what their thoughts are on training camps, where the former NFL players are now, and why being drafted by the wrong NFL team can kill a promising player's career. Lionel will also cover what's up with the Baltimore Ravens. Tune in to Sports Talk with Lionel Dalton live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America, to segment three of All Around Sports. 
And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us today, as he has for every single episode of our nine shows so far in All Around Sports, is... uh, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. Barry, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, John, and uh, you know, looking forward to breaking uh, Joe D's record as we uh, as we continue on this venture. There we go. We'll get to 56 in a hurry. And as I mentioned uh, <laughs> earlier in the show today, my former co-host Lemont Williams of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. Uh, Celebrated his 100th show this past Wednesday night and invited me on to be his guest. He and I did a show for uh, most of 2009 and some of 2000 or 2010 and some of the, uh, 2011. And uh, Lemont is living testimony to how quickly you can get to 100 shows, let alone 56, as in Joe D's case. Well, I guess time, time flies when you're having fun. So this is, uh, this is great. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I definitely enjoy uh, being on with you every week. It's a lot of fun. Well, that's terrific. And uh, Barry, why don't we jump into? Uh, we're 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 still very lucky that we have postseason NBA and NHL still going on. I, I'm standing here and outside Boston, it's <laughs> 90 degrees again, as yes, I'm sure it is. it is for you in New York. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful that hockey is still occurring in this city. And uh, quite a week for the Bruins and uh, you know Barry what do you think of the Bruins amazing beatdown in Boston of the Vancouver Canucks where they have where they have outscored Vancouver 12 to 1 since Nathan Horton was blindsided an all-time NHL finals record for two game for two games yeah and it was I have to say it's it's really surprising because uh you know, certainly based on the on the way the first two games was played were played, um, it's almost uh, the exact opposite of what happened in games three and four. You know, it, it's not all home ice, of course, but uh, it just goes to show you how you know, how much your momentum can carry a team. I think you know, uh, you know, the Bruins certainly uh, certainly rallied. Um, you know, the hit on Horton you know, de- definitely uh, galvanized them and energized them, and uh, they really. Took that to the bank uh, against the Canucks. I mean, to outscore them twelve to one in two games, Chase Luongo, who's been so great all year, uh, you know, now you're at the point where you know the Canucks feel that they have to make an announcement and say, "Well, Luongo's going to start Game Five for us." You know, well, no kidding. I mean, they they have no choice. I mean, how do you how do you start a goaltender all year who's you know obviously a, you know a Vezina Trophy candidate? And then you know you get to you get to Game Five in the Stanley Cup Finals, and then you have to say, well, he's starting. Uh, you know that that's 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 a bad sign right there. I mean, we we all saw what happened. Um, you know, back in the uh, the uh, Flyers series. You know, when the Flyers were placing you know musical goalies, and uh, that that's no way to win a playoff series. And you know, this that's just not going to happen. So you know, the the Canucks are are almost teetering in that territory. They're not quite you know, at the Flyers level, but they're 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 kind of visiting that neighborhood, but, um, you know, I think the Canucks will go as far as Luongo can take them, and obviously the Bruins will go as far as Tim Thomas can take them, and, uh, you know, Thomas was obviously the, the, the better of the two uh, in games three and four, and uh, it, should be, it should be quite the game tonight 
uh, back in Vancouver. So uh, we're, we're eagerly waiting uh, to see how that goes down and to see, uh, you know, what transpires. Yes, and you mentioned Tim Thomas. And uh, of all the fascinating things that occurred this past week during those two games, to me, one of the, maybe the most interesting thing I saw was uh, Tim Thomas's love tap to, uh, as he called it, to Alex Burrows near the end of game four on Wednesday night. Uh, and he and Burrows had quite the little dust up, given that he's a goalie. And, of course, Dennis Seidenberg jumped right in and took Burrows right down. But Burrows, of course, public enemy number one, the guy who bit Patrice Bergeron and uh, really is the that more than any other single thing set the nasty, nasty tone for this series. So, what'd you think of Tim Thomas's love tap? Well, I, 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 what I would say is, you know, if, if 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 that were a love tap, I would hate to see what would happen if he really didn't like uh, Mr. Burroughs. But um, you know, I, 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 I do have to say one thing. You know, I, I do think Burroughs should have been suspended for biting uh, Bergeron in the finger. You know, that I think the NHL really missed an opportunity to kind of kind of nip things in the bud right there. And I think, I see, I'm in New York traffic. See, so it's live, live horn blowing in New York. Here we go. Um, this, this, this is the kind of background we like. This is why exactly. we bring you on the they show. Not, there is nothing like live radio. So, no, you know, there isn't. So, get that little authenticity to the listeners, you know. So, anyway. A- absolutely. Um, Live yeah. the dream. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But, you know, I, I think, yes, Burroughs should have been suspended. But what I did not like was the way the Bruins went back at, t- at the Canucks taunting them with the little, with the finger act after every scrum. I thought that was, I really honestly thought that was Bush League, and I thought that really had no place. I mean, I, I think you had the potential of, of turning things into like a slap shot type of atmosphere with that, you know, if things got out of hand. And then I think with the hit uh, by Rome on Horton, you know, part of me thinks that really, it, given where, given the situation and given what happened to Horton, you know, I, I think it, it was probably the right move. To do to do what the league did, I didn't think it was really worthy of a suspension. I thought, for the most part, it was a clean hit. I do think that if Horton had, if it were a normal situation where Horton had jumped back up and played continued, I don't even know if there would have been a penalty. But I felt that, and I'll be interested, and hopefully Paul will be able to join us shortly. I'd really be interested in hearing his take on it. I think that for the most part, they they kicked the game basically for his own safety and to basically. Pre- prevent any kind of really nasty thing from happening because I think if he were still in the game, you know, then you would have seen guys taking runs at him all night long and it would have gotten really nasty. And it was nasty enough to begin with. So, but I really do think that, you know, there really is no place for the taunting and finger pointing and all that stuff. I, I didn't think the Bruins needed to, to lower themselves to, to that level. Uh, you know, it's funny, I was reading something on the internet about, uh, and I don't even remember what the context was now, but uh, there was a gentleman writing that uh, he was in, uh, it was in a, a Starbucks in Boston, you know, not even at a bar, it was at a Starbucks, you know, I think pretty genteel place. Uh, you know, there was a Bruin fan sitting there, and some Canucks fans walked in with their jerseys, and uh, the Bruin fan went up to one of the Canucks fans and stuck his finger in his face. So, you know, it, it, it's transcending hockey, certainly. But, uh, you know, you just, you just don't want to see it, see see you know, the game that we love so much denigrate to that level. So, um, you know, I, I would rather see things settled you know, on the ice instead of, you know, all the extracurricular activity. And, again, I'll, I'll be real interested into, uh, sorry, interested to hear what Paul has to say about that. Yeah, well, um, you know, certainly Claude Julian 
Ruins coach agrees with you. He is, uh, and he expressed immediately after game three, which was just simply as nasty a hockey game as I think you'll ever see, uh, that he was not at all pleased with particularly, uh, you know, Mark Recchi, veteran Mark Recchi, sticking his finger in Burroughs' mouth as well uh, at the beginning of the game. And then at the end of the game, of course, Milan Lucic uh, doing the same thing back. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, I earlier in the show, I mean, I referenced uh, – Burroughs as being public enemy number one uh, here in Boston, but of course he is at at worst tied with uh, with Rome, the guy who leveled um, Nathan Horton. So a lot of villains in this series, and I'm sure that boy, if you're sitting out in Vancouver, and uh, I'm sure that city is just crazy right now. There's probably a lot of Bruins that they consider villains. Oh, sounds like maybe we have some technical difficulties. As you heard a few minutes ago, Barry was uh, in New York City traffic, and uh, if it, once that's happening to you, all bets are off. Anything, including telephone reception, is possible. I'm a veteran Manhattan driver, and uh, you never know what can happen down there. But anyway, I was just talking about uh, you know how the Vancouver fans, you know, must be looking at you know, some of the Bruins and thinking that, you know, they're the villains and, uh, you know, from Lucic and Recky, who I already mentioned, uh, you know, Adam McQuaid the other night was, uh, you know, seriously involved in, uh, a scrum as was, uh, and of course maybe the biggest, villain of all in the eyes of Vancouver fans, but yet the smallest person, on the ice is Brad Marchand. And, you know, I, I just find him to be an absolutely fascinating player. And Paul Stewart here. Hey, Paul. John Inglesby. Thanks for calling in. Well, it's glad to be here. And uh, I'm actually at uh, Ernie Bach. Uh, come on down, getting my oil changed. <laughs> oh, so okay. I, I, heard, I heard your last few minutes, and it's interesting because most fans should appreciate that that as crazy as Vancouver might be, it's uh, twice as beautiful, easily one of the best uh, hidden jewels in North America as far as skiing and sailing and golfing all in the same day. That's what I've heard. I haven't been there yet, but it is right at the top of my list of places to visit. And, uh, you know, continuing on that theme, what are your thoughts about tonight's game? Well, it all comes back down to the same issue that we've always espoused, which is goaltending. And if Boston shows up and Thomas is healthy and not too tired, and he is uh, allowed to play his game because Vancouver's been crowding the net, although Thomas gave a little back the other night, uh, I think that, you know, the momentum and the emotion, and he's really the, you know, the uh, Dudley Do-Right for all hockey fans right now. I, I think people really appreciate the vitality and the and the and the zest that he brings to the game. So I, I think the the sentimental favorite is Tim Thomas. Now Luongo has been painted to be all different things and uh yet I caution folks who uh perhaps are quick to jump on the Thomas bandwagon, don't forget that this guy's at the top of the list for the Vesna trophy. He got Vancouver to the finals and he's been around a while and uh he's He's certainly got the uh, the characteristics of a thoroughbred, so I wouldn't count him out of the race yet. 
Well, I think that's uh, definitely definitely a good analysis. I agree with you. Uh, I think it could be a whole new ball game tonight in Vancouver. And uh, given your expertise as a former player and, of course, NHL referee, what are your thoughts on the two games played here in Boston and all the chippiness uh, slash nastiness? Well, I had said to friends of mine that up until this point where Boston, uh, the crowd, and all of those other factors played in, uh, the, the, the real psychological edge belonged to the team that scored the first goal. And in that situation, Boston had not done well uh, overall throughout all of the series where they had been almost uh, starting the game five minutes after the game had already started. So I think that uh, the topics that everybody wants to talk about, you know, the big hit and then the, the bite and the finger and then the taunting and all that, you know, this stuff in the, uh, in the good old days never happened because, number one, that hit wouldn't have happened because there would have been retribution prior to the guy leaving the parking lot. And then the second thing is that with the league taking supplemental discipline, they they certainly uh, put enough uh, discipline on it, and yet it just shows a little bit of the quirkiness of how that discipline works because I actually thought that the hit on Savard in Pittsburgh a few years ago, which started his problems, was much right. worse than the, than the hit. Uh, at least this was an attempt at a body check. And the other thing is... This type of body check, uh, where it happened on occasion and would have been allowable 10 years ago, uh, it didn't happen because uh, players were afraid of, of retribution. And the only real hit that I can recall of, of that magnitude in, in the bygone eras was when Pat Quinn uh, ran into Bobby Orr one night in Boston. And you knew what happened after that. The, the whole Bruins team came. So I think that that, and the supplemental discipline may have been a bit heavy. And the other aspect is that there was no discipline when the guy bit the guy. And you got three French guys standing there, and the linesman and two players, and you know that Bergeron said, hey, he just bit me. And nobody did anything. So I'm not as, you know, that was the league's business. They should have stepped up. They should have stepped up. And uh, I think the smoking gun was there, and they could have done something. But they didn't. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly, and we talked about this when you were on the show last Friday, Paul. I mean, that's what started it all, obviously. If the league steps in, disciplines bros right off the bat, one-game suspension, for instance. Uh, you know, there's nobody sticking anybody any, any fingers in anybody's face, and that just is it. And it remains to be seen if the, you know, Horton hit does or does not happen in Game 3. But nonetheless, uh, none of the other stuff would have happened, and the league had to then step in well after the fact with the uh, you know promise of a two-minute minor and ten-minute misconduct if anybody stuck their fingers in anybody's face. So the, yeah. the league just looked really bad on this. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a house of cards built on a foundation of sand, and I think that it's not necessarily something that you as, a, as an administrator in a league wants to have as a precedent-setting thing that you want to have to draw upon. And I frankly, I... I, I think the way that Vancouver and Boston have played, it it makes me out to be a bit of a, a 
non-expert because I had said that there wouldn't be much rivalry, but it just goes to show you in, in a game as fast as this, with as much on the line as this as this series has, that uh, one or two little things now have uh, set off a chain of events that makes it, uh, I think, a memorable series in many ways. And sure to get more memorable starting tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And, Paul, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to call in, especially from... Uh, from Route One, and and uh, come on again, down, Jeremy Buck. <laughs> exactly, and your expertise is just terrific. And uh, once again, you know, enjoy the next few few games of hockey that we got. At least two, if not three, more games. And oh, I'm, uh, I'm very excited. This this today is uh, the first day of summer vacation for my 13 year old, and I have uh, referees on the ice from six to seven thirty every morning at Iorio Rink in Walpole, and he was out there today, and looks like he uh, can ski with the big boys, and I think that that and watching my other guy swim and have fun, uh, it's going to be a great summer. Welcome to summer in Boston on the ice. There you go. <laughs> on to Cape Cod. <laughs> on to Cape Cod. Well, thanks again, Paul. Great talking with you, and. Now we'll take our break, and afterwards, Barry Rubenstein will rejoin us. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I have good news. Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department uh, has rejoined us. And Barry, let's jump right into your thoughts on the NBA Finals and the Mavs. Now leading the series with the opportunity to win the NBA championship this Sunday night in Miami. Shocker. Yeah, how, yeah, how about that? I mean, um, Unbelievable. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of people uh, talking about this series as an instant classic. I mean, the games have been terrific. Every game has gone down the wire. It's been very competitive, very emotional. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, 
it's more than the NBA could have could have dreamed for. Um, you, know, you got two marquee franchises going at it, and uh, you know the Heat kind of wearing wearing, wearing the black hat uh, to a lot of people, and you know the Mavericks, you know having uh, some veteran guys in their team that have never won a championship between Nowitzki and uh, and Jason Kidd, and you've got some great storylines there. And you know, I, I have to say, you know, there's, and I think there's a lot. Of, I think now you have a another uh, storyline kind of bouncing in there. You know, with the way that LeBron James has played the last couple of games, um, you kind of wonder if there's, if there's something going on there. It almost it almost looks like there's something a little off to his game. I mean, there were some things posted on the internet about uh, you know, some things going on in his personal life, which really looked to be kind of nonsensical. People are trouble. Yeah. People. I saw him too. Yeah. People are willing to, to jump on anything. And, you know, you, but, but clearly there, it, it does appear that he's just not himself. And, you know, watching the game last night, he looked very tentative, um, very willing to give up the ball, very unwilling to take the big shot for the most part. Um, you know, clearly there's just something a little, a little off, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's a combination of the two, whether it's, it's, the, it's you know, the, the, the situation, the reality of, hey, you know, that we're, we're you know, it was, you know, it's fun to talk about all this stuff, you know, in the, in the, you know, in last summer, you know, during all the, all the, uh, all the laser light shows when they announced the decision and all that, you know, that was all great, but, you know, now we're, we're, you know, we're at crunch time and this, this is it, you know, this is the final act. So you kind of wonder if the pressure is kind of getting to him a little bit and maybe getting to the heat a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, you make some great observations. I mean, I, I myself uh, can't wait till Sunday night when, you know, it's, there's, the reason we love sports are elimination games. And with yep. the heat in, a, in that position to be eliminated on their home court, which, let's face it, much of America would love to see, uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I had the pleasure back a few years ago of attending game seven of the Pistons Heat uh, Eastern Conference Finals. It was an absolutely electric atmosphere. This, of course, was pre-LeBron, but not pre-Durain Wade. And Miami lost, so it can happen, trust me. Uh, Miami lost that game seven. I believe that it set the stage for what then became the championship team the following year. But, you know, to me, the lasting memory of not only last night's game, perhaps the entire postseason and potentially the entire season, almost like the anti-LeBron legacy, uh, is going to be Jason Terry's unbelievable three-point shot over LeBron last night to put the game away. That was just an incredible play. And again, it, it, it was, as, as it always seems to be, there was LeBron. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if you look, if you, you know, I mentioned it's funny you mentioned that because last night we were we were um, we were watching the game at the at the office at at the post, and I said, right. when, um, I believe I believe we were talking about Jason Kidd's three pointer, right? I think you said Jason Terry. I think no, no, talking. Jason, uh, Jason Terry. Okay. Um, there was another shot by Jason. There was another three by Jason Kidd down the stretch that, that I had pointed to, as, to to someone I was watching, saying, "You know, if they win, if Dallas wins the series, you know, that's the shot they're going to look at." And there was another big three by Jason Terry um, a couple moments later. So there were two big threes by those two guys. And oh, you know, Jason uh, Kidd's was huge. Uh, yeah. but I, I I picked Jason Terry's because it was with LeBron. Over LeBron, you know, right? It was over LeBron. That's my point. Right. 
Yes, yes, and that and that's uh, yeah. I think bo- both of those three pointers, you can look at that and say those those two shots might be the key to the series. Another key, also, which we which we haven't mentioned, is the health of Dwayne Wade. I mean, he was hobbling around. He didn't come out uh, immediately for the second half, and he's he's clearly uh, he's clearly bothered by that injury. So if if you know if he can't right himself physically, then the Heat are going to be at a major disadvantage. Uh, for Game Five or for Game Six, rather. So you know it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So you've got a lot of factors working there. You've got the health factor of of Dwayne Wade, and you've got the mental factor of um, of uh, LeBron James uh, working. So you know, and now Dallas has all the confidence in the world. They're going back back to Miami up three two, but you know it's very difficult for for the road team to go and win two games. Uh, you know. At the you know at the team uh, facing the team that had home court advantage they earned throughout the whole season the very very difficult thing to do for the Mavericks but you know they they've certainly played uh, played terrific and they've got the confidence going for them now and you know it's almost like the Heat the Heat are are back on their heels a little bit it'll be real interesting to see how the game unfolds in the early moments you see how if if Dallas is, out, is able to come out to a quick start. Or if um, Miami is able to kind of quell the threat and kind of hang in there, so you've clearly got the Heat on their heels now. And, you know, very similar to the, the Stanley Cup Final series. You know, we have one team that got up, to, got off to a start, and then now the other team, the team that, that does not have home court or home ice, has now bounced back and kind of taken the momentum away. So you've got two very similar uh, situations working themselves out here. So it'll be again, it'll be really uh, intriguing to see uh, how the opening moments of both. Uh, of both sports uh, next games play out. Well, you're absolutely right, and obviously uh, my picks of the weekend for viewing are tonight's Vancouver Bees Game 5, Sunday night's Game 6, Heat versus Mavs, and Barry, hard to believe, but we have come to the conclusion of yet another show, and I want to thank you for coming on, and we'll look forward again to next week where we can see what, uh, what happened with these gigantic weekend postseason events. Yeah, and both and both uh, championships will have been decided by then, so we'll certainly have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 